Blog Talk Radio. Pugilistic linguistics, check out the 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 pugilistic linguistics, What's going on, y'all? What's going on? Welcome to the Pugilistic Linguistic Show. I am your host, Michael Foster, the voice of reason in increasingly unreasonable world. And I'm back. I um doing something a little different today. You know, I don't I normally I love sports. Let's start that out. I love sports, but I normally don't do that on my show. But I'm gonna start incorporating a lot of little different things. And today I have uh a resident expert in the NBA. I kinda of wanna chop it up with him, you know, we wanna talk to him about his past, his history, to know he's super legit and all this. And just want to, you know, start to bring more color, more flavor to the show by bringing other people in. So right now I have on the line Mr. Morgan Wheat. He is a good friend of mine. Uh, I've known him for years, worked with him in other places, but I really had no idea about how legitimate this dude is in in. in <laughs> Oh, basketball. So, uh, welcome, Morgan. Yeah, I'm glad to be here, Mike. Yeah, thank you, sir, for for giving me an hour of your time. I understand, you know, you're a family man, so hours are hard to come by. So I appreciate it. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, so, again, I worked with this cat years ago, and I knew he played ball. Okay, you know, we, we talked about that a couple of times, but I didn't know he played ball, like, with a capital B. Uh, so we're going to, you know, delve into his history to let him to, to let you all know how legit he is. Uh, but before I get started, like I do every time, uh, iTunes, uh, Blog Talk Radio, you can look at, listen to all the older uh, shows. Uh, the Pugilistic Linguistics uh, page on Facebook. I got a new logo out there. Check that out. Uh, to continue conversations, ideas for new things, let's interact. Uh, but without further ado, let me give you the the history of the guy that we have on stage right now. Uh, so first off, I want to talk to you about just – you know your upbringing. You know how you how did you get into basketball first? Let's start there. Yeah, for sure, <clears throat> man. So uh, really similar, uh, quite honestly, this is what I'm doing with my son even right now. Just uh, you know, my dad kind of raised me to play all sports, uh, so I did. I played all sports: football, basketball, baseball. Never really dabbled in soccer. Um, and you know, out of those three sports, honestly, baseball was probably my best one. Uh, really? but baseball, I'll be honest. I mean, I love that sport too, but you know, you have, you have those days where if you play in the outfield, you might not get a ball hit to you or, or, you know, those days can get long and boring. And I, yeah. I, I just took the basketball, um, like, I mean, I just took to it and I, all I wanted to do was hoop. Like that's it from an early age, probably six or seven. Um, all I wanted to do was play basketball and, I was real fortunate uh, to have two parents that fully supported me um, when it came to, especially the sporting side, because, you know, that stuff takes up a lot of time. 
It's a lot of yeah. evenings, a lot of weekends. Um, and my dad, quite honestly, um, I don't even know how they found the time to send me to camps all summer. They drive me to camps when I was in high school. Uh, I kind of learned early on, maybe when I was 10 or 11, that I was I had a pretty good skill set and that I was pretty good and, and at least as good as people that I was playing against. Um, and as I grew bigger and stronger um, and I spent more time basically just not doing nothing but hoop, that's all I did. Um, you know, back then you didn't have the social media. You didn't have Facebook. You know, right. we had video games like the original Atari system, but there wasn't a lot of stuff that, you know, could get you sidetracked. So if you really wanted to focus on something like a sport, then you had all the time in the world to do it. And that's all I did. Um, I really wasn't interested in girls, you know, until I probably got to my later years in high school. Uh, all mm-hmm. I wanted to do was play basketball and make it to the NBA, you know, like as, as a lot of young kids' dreams are these days. Um, and that really drove me to spend a lot of time in the gym, in the, pat, you know, in the driveway. Um, that's all I wanted to do. Um, and that kind of got me to, to have some success. So, yeah, about that, I'm glad you brought that up because, like I said, I've done some research on you. Um, <laughs> so all here in West Des Moines at Valley High School, came out in 88, yep. right? Yes, sir. Okay. So talk to me about that because the re- reason why I ask is because I stumbled across a Des Moines Register article, 50 Greatest High School players ever and you were on that list so i'm proud to say right, i know right. some 50 greatest <laughs> ever uh, yes. but take me through that high school experience okay so you you did nothing but hope to get there you you're in you had valley now uh yeah. how does that experience for you yeah so i'll tell you what like growing up so i talk about um like my mom and dad right only child uh i'm adopted um, mm-hmm. Dad was in the military, so he had that philosophy where, you know, if you're if you're 15 minutes early, you're late. You know, um, okay. he was really about if you're going to do something, you need to give it 110 percent. Whether that's schoolwork, whether that's how you treat your friends, whether that's as you get older, whether you're in a relationship, um, he really instilled a lot of of great values in me, and I think that helped set the tone for me. Especially, you know, my dad was from a really poor area in Kansas, Topeka, Kansas, right? Um, mm-hmm. Grew up grew up very poor, um, but, you know, came from a good family background with a lot of love, uh, and that's really what he showed me, you know, my mom as well, um, who, who actually graduated from East High School. You know, my dad went to Drake, graduated from Drake, um, and really all the values that, that him and mom instilled in me carried over to – uh, really on the court and not just that, but getting to Valley to where, I mean, obviously, you know, Mike, it's a lot different now. Diversity yeah. in high school now is way different. I mean, when I went to Valley, you know, there was probably out of 2000 students in the whole school, maybe, you know, 10 to 15 people of color. And I'm talking about black people. Um, mm-hmm. So that was a whole new experience for me, you know, struggling to find, dates, you know, that sort of thing when you, when you finally do discover girls at that young age. Um, and, and really the culture piece, because I was so, you know, my mom and dad, you know, were pretty strict that basketball was my outlet. I mean, okay. that's what honestly contributed to having a social life. I think that allowed me some of the, 
um, nuances and some of the extra things that if I was just a normal student and I have a couple of good friends from high school that were black, um, you know, that whole different demographic, you know, in terms of their environment versus mine being, you know, a so-called star athlete in high school. So it definitely changed my perspective, but that, that background that my dad instilled in me, you know, coming from a, you know, a, a poor town, you know, and I love Topeka, um, you know, it, it really honed and shaped and molded me to be able to survive. Cause I don't even remember, Mike, I'm, I'll be honest, dude. I remember saying like, damn, it's like, you know, it's like the third girl I've asked out <laughs> and mm-hmm. I can't, they, they might go out with me once or twice, but then they can't do it anymore because their parents won't allow it. And my dad would always tell me the same thing. Don't worry about it. You'll be fine. Just wait till you get to college. <laughs> so, um, you know, it, it was definitely a, a unique, a unique experience, man. Well, let me ask you, and this is not something I prepared, but it was something based on something you said. And I think yeah. this is very in today's society also. In, in that, I don't want to call it an outcast society of Valley in the, you know, mid-80s, but yeah. how did you find your footing? Was basketball your way to develop legitimacy amongst the student body? Uh, you, you follow what I'm asking you? Yeah, you know, for sure. I think, there, I, think, I think there's a lot of truth to that. Um, you know, I dealt with growing up because um, we were in the same house from like age seven on um, through my high school years, um, you know, dealing with, I mean, I have, I do have fond, not fond, but memories of some racial things and and things I dealt with really when I was younger, much younger um, Mm -hmm. at the elementary school level. I think coming to, you know, going through middle school and then high school, I think sports definitely enabled me a little bit because some of the guys on my team were guys that came from, you know, fairly prestigious backgrounds, you know, one dad, mm-hmm. my point guard's dad was a cardiologist. Um, the other starting forward's dad was a dermatologist. So we had folks that came from money. And I think being able to play sports and build those relationships, um, it definitely allowed, I think it enabled me to, to have a much fuller high school experience. Um, even though on the dating side, there was definitely some negatives, but you know, it, it all worked itself out in the end for sure. Okay, so you're at Valley, you are that dude, um, and you come out in 88. So correct me if I'm wrong, because like I said, I've done some research, we know the internet is, is what it is. <laughs> the Vanderbilt. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think, you know, the first thing, so so i give you a little background. I, I had gone to Iowa State's basketball camp for seven straight years. From 81 Mm -hmm. to 88. 81 was the first year Johnny Orr came in. I knew that whole coaching staff on a very personal level. And honestly, that's where I planned to go. But after taking, you know, a couple different visits, you know, you you get to your senior year, you know, your top 100 in the nation, um, and you have a lot of unique opportunities. Um, You know, going to Vanderbilt, totally out of the blue, you know, called the Harvard of the South. It's a academic school um quite honestly i had they had they had gone to the tournament my senior year and they happened to play in omaha so i was able to go to that game they upset a pittsburgh team that was loaded 
to go to the Sweet 16, and I got to be in the locker room after that, and that kind of sold me, right? That, that, you know, I'd spent time, one of their assistant coaches I had bonded with pretty good, and I planned on going to Iowa State, and quite honestly, that visit really put me over the edge. Um, and, that, you know, that's where I ended up going. And you visited Nashville, beautiful city, and then I also wanted to get away from home. I don't want to be close to home. I thought it was time for me to get out and see the world a little bit. Uh, that's kind of how I ended up in Montgomery, Alabama from Chicago. Cause I was like, yo, this, I got to get out. So I understand completely. <laughs> so you Absolutely. Play three, and then you come home, correct? Yeah, so I'm, I'm two and a half years. Well, I'm two years there, basically. Played two years. We changed coaches after my freshman year. The new coach we got, I didn't really like but I still started my sophomore year, got hurt at Christmas, and then went from being like our second leading scorer and rebounder to like the eighth man on the bench. Um, mm. Missed five or six games, came back. We didn't make the tourney, but we made the postseason NIT and ended up winning that title uh, in Madison Square Garden at the end of my sophomore year. Um, and I decided to go ahead and give Coach another chance the next year because I did start to begin the previous year but, man, I, you get in there, you know how when coaches change and you're not one of their recruits, you know, I'm not one of those guys that um, talks back. I do what I'm ta- – I do what, you know, I'm asked of. You know, I go above and beyond, um, you know, whether it's school or, or, or training or whatnot. And he just, you know, one of those deals, it didn't click. So called Coach Orr back at Iowa State and then came in the middle of the year. But I'd already played in like three games in my junior year. Or, no, it was more than that, like five games. So I lost that whole year of eligibility. So I set out a whole year and a half just to play one year at Iowa State. So you get back. And that was like ninety two, ninety three. Yeah, go ahead. You get back to Ames, and now you you playing for Coach Orr, right? Yes. And then you have some teammates that people have probably heard of, uh, Hoiberg, who. Yep. The mayor of Ames, you know, you know how you oh, know what yeah. he. Is. And I want to say Lauren Meyer. I think that's what I looked yep. up. Uh, oh yeah, big Lauren, absolutely. So you're playing with these cats. You're back home. Uh, what's that feeling like? You know, did you know that Hoyberg was going to be that dude coming out? I mean, what's that, what's that so, dynamic like? <laughs> you know, it's tough, right? So I've had challenges that I've overcome before. Um, coming back to Iowa State, you know, even Fred's first couple years, he was good, but he wasn't, you know, elite, right? So I'm, I figured, you know, I'm going to come in. Uh, this would have been Fred's sophomore year. Um, and I, I honestly, I thought I had the three locked up, the three spot locked up. I did because, um, you know, just talent-wise at the time, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and I came in, and I, I felt good. I felt confident. You know, I had a good camaraderie with everybody. Um and then the season starts after I set out and I get pulled in the office after like two weeks, you know, thinking that I would have a good chance to be a starter um, and not thinking intelligently enough to know that Fred is the man and ended up being the man. And then I ended up coming off the bench. Um, I got moved to the four, but it allowed me to play 15, 20 minutes a game. You know, I was disappointed, but um, you know, I played in, I think, almost every game. Maybe there might have been one game I didn't play in, but uh, I was still able to finish out my career uh, and then graduate uh, on my, at the end of my senior year as well. But there was definitely a period of time where 
you know, as all kids go through it, you know, I transferred, thought I kind of had more of an end. I wasn't good enough to kind of overcome getting shifted to a different position. I, I eventually did and was able to, you know, get minutes and play quite a bit. But, man, there was a, a short period of time where I was ready to quit. I mean, I was just done. I felt like I'd, I'd given everything to the game and, and hadn't been given any breaks. And, again, you know, my father stepping in and with that responsibility and accountability piece um, and understanding where I was at and what I still wanted to accomplish, um, you know, and finish out the season. And, you know, we had a pretty good year. So, um yeah, I still have good memories, but you know, I went through some went through some things during that time too. That and so so now let's fast forward. You know, your uh, husband, father. Uh, you, I assume you get a phone call saying, "Hey, you've been nominated for the Iowa High School Basketball Hall of Fame, or whatever." I, I assume that's how that happens. I have, I'm not a Hall of Fame. Yeah, anything. For, uh, yeah, absolutely. So you get that call. Talk yeah, just it's incredible. It's incredible. So you got I got uh I got an email uh, from Bud Lake, um uh, one of the higher ups um within the Iowa Boys side of, of the association and you know uh, talk about an incredibly, you know, just a wonderful moment, right? Two moments high school wise, right? That and then being one of the top nominated as one of the top fifty players ever. I mean those two things are so incredible. You know, when you get a plaque um, for the Hall of Fame and you get to go to the tournament and, um, you know, I got in before some other folks, you know, that maybe should have gotten in before me. I mean, it's, it's, it was such a special moment and something to really be proud of. Um, it just, uh, it's crazy because you think about all the hard work, everything you've been through, um, even growing up and just all the time and energy and effort and just your love for the game. And then to have this type of honor, um, it's incredible. You know, when you look through the list of all the people that are in the Hall of Fame, I mean, it's all the big names for Iowa. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, one other thing, oh, God, you're bringing back memories, Mike. I'm forgetting stuff. Jesus. <laughs> so hey. the other Boy. big thing was I did not, I did not um, get, uh, win Mr. Basketball for the state, right, which is the yeah. highest honor you can get as, as individually for the state of Iowa. I probably finished like third or fourth, but okay. I did win. I did win the national award, which is the Gatorade Player of the Year for the state of Iowa, which is more prestigious in my opinion because it's a national recognition. So even right. though I didn't get Mr. Basketball, I was a Gatorade, and usually those two are one and the same if you go state to state. It's usually not somebody different. Um, uh, so yeah. that was also a special honor for me. Um, that just, uh, you know, that I can still cherish and things that I'll be able to share with my little man as he gets a little bit older and has a better understanding that way things work. Cool. So, and and that's the Hall of Fame thing for me is, is really my, again, uh, this is out in pugilistic linguistics land. I've worked with this cat <laughs> for, for years and had zero Idea. So when I looked all this up, I was like, yo, wait a minute. How, how come he does not shout this from the rafters like daily? Because I know if I'm in a hall, I'm going to be out there telling everybody and their mama how great I am. That's probably why. But anyway. Yeah. So, 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 you know, that part of it too, Mike, like my dad always taught me, you know, to be humble. Like go out, put in work, do what you got to do. But when it's over, your hard work and everything you do will take care of itself. 
right? And and people might have questions and, and awards and all that. But that's great, but you still got to do things the right way, and you should be humble about it. Um, you know, in this day and age, especially where everything's all, you know, social media and Instagram, mm-hmm. everything's all show-off mode nowadays, right? Um, yeah. And that's just the way I was raised, you know, and, and you know, people will find some of the stuff out about me and be like, dude, that, that don't know that I played sports or anything. They'd be like, damn, I didn't even know that. It's like craziness. Um, but it's cool, though. It's cool. So get past all that. We fast forward to current day. You are now an assistant coach at North High School here in Des Moines, correct? Ooh, 11 years, brother. 11 years. So, you know, I, I, I'm a cursory follower of basketball. I like the game, but I don't dig it like some others do. You all have led kind of a renaissance for North High School, North Polar Bears basketball, correct, the last few years? Yeah, yeah for sure. It's, it's been going on. So I remember um, this is after I had both my hips replaced, basically, and I couldn't play anymore, even even just recreationally. And mm-hmm. I've been talking about coaching. My wife's like, shut up, go get your certification and just go do it. Thinking that I would land at a school closer to home, you know, Waukee or my alma mater, Valley, maybe even Dowling. But I ended up, you know, making a few phone calls. I knew a chunk of the coaches in the Des Moines area and the North coach I'd known for about 15 years. And, you know, just I got a good vibe from him that he was really trying to build something. Um, Mm -hmm. and, And North is a school you know, it's one of the smallest enrollments for 4A that they need good role models, big time. Mm-hmm. And he really yeah. sold me on that because I wanted to be a part of something special, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And I remember, I mean, I think we won three games my first year. We won seven my second year. The third year, we won 14. And then our senior, my, the four, my fourth year in, we had a really good freshman group that had worked their way through. We, they went like 20 and two, but we didn't make mm-hmm. the tournament. And then we had a couple down years. And then we had this little point guard come in with his class, little Tyreek LaCour. And then we mm-hmm. had four years of pretty good success. So, I mean, we've, we've really won the conference the last, I think three years in a row, one or been a share of it, like the last five. Um, so it's been, it's been pretty incredible. Um, and again, with basketball, you don't, you only need, you know, a couple of really good kids to, to get the program back to where you need, but um, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, a lot of relationship building, a lot of culture building um, where kids want to go there. You know, North, North's been an unsuccessful school. I mean, they probably only won three football games in the last nine years. You know, it's, it's, but basketball, man, we have, uh, I've been a part of that foundation from the ground up brick by brick uh, and has gotten us to a point where, you know, that team is really good year in and year out. That is something that I've seen people take pride in, you know, former North Polar Bears that went to school there 30 years ago, let's say. I see them on Facebook just beating their chest out because these kids (laughs) are, are, uh, you know, bringing back the name, you know, uh, playing ball, basically. So, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, talking about that community support, right? So Tyreek, our stud point guard, his sophomore year, we made it to the state tournament. And we played mm-hmm. Valley in the first round, my alma mater. Now, we lost. Right. But if you would have seen, you know, on our side, how the whole lower cup, probably half of the upper cup, 
was filled with people from the city to come out and watch this team play. Mm-hmm. It was the most, one of the most incredible things I think I've ever seen. And, and I saw incredible. that, again, I'm being a transplant, I, don't, I didn't have the whole history of North and where they were, but I did remember seeing that, like, on the news and the pride that everybody exudes about, you know, North High School because of the challenges that that high school faces. It was probably not even their doing, but uh, – so one other question, then we get to the NBA. So when you were looking for coaching opportunities, did did your name hold any value? Did it, you know, did it open doors that it wouldn't have opened normally had you been Joe Smith? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, having, um, you know, Valley was in the transition. They were just getting a new head coach um, and really not being able to really pursue something there kind of led me to reaching out to some different folks. And again, like I said, I knew, you know, multiple coaches, you know, in Des Moines area. Um, You know, I have an affinity for North just because uh, my best friend went to high school there. Um, I've known a lot of people, obviously, that played there. Hurl Beach and my old teammate from Iowa State played there. Um, So it it ended up being a really, really good fit, right? The the tough Mm -hmm. part is when you come into that situation is – you know, from my background, I'm not from the inner city, and we're talking to more, you know, yeah. respectively. Um, so how do you get the street cred for these kids to listen to you that don't know who the hell you are? You know, you, you right. haven't played or been in anybody's mouth for 25 years, you know. Right. Um, but, but the coach, his name was Chad Ryan, you know, really gave me the background and, and really gave me the blueprint for what you need to do to be successful at a school like North High School. And I just, you know, I took that blueprint and put it to work. You know, I talking to kids about my history and about, you know, my past. And then it's like, well, damn, maybe you do know something about basketball. Um, you know, it's crazy. I haven't, I graduated from North in 1988, right? And you think a big school like that, I still hold all the scoring records at Valley High School hmm. 30 years ago. Still hold all the scoring records. It's crazy. And that's credibility. Yeah. And these kids, it's instant credibility. For sure, because like you got kids with, you got kids with no fathers, or or maybe just one parent, or they have three or four siblings that are under the age of ten that need attention, so they're raising themselves. So the only accountability mm-hmm. and structure they get is at school and in sports. I hear you. So, yeah, you're doing big things, and you're doing great things. You've done great things, and I'm actually honored to have you on my show as a resident. I'm excited NBA, to be here, man. I love it. <laughs> resident NBA expert, yeah, pugilistic linguistics, man. You will be hearing from this dude uh, more often. Uh, I will tell you I am a casual NBA fan. The joke that I say I'm not an NBA fan, I'm a Bulls fan. That's a difference. Uh, yes, there so, is. <laughs> I, I'm serious about that Bulls, even though they they're terrible. I'm serious about it. So <laughs> I want to bring him on the show today. We want to talk about the NBA summer free agency, the, the, the bananas, buck wild stuff that's going on here. And I guess we'll just oh, jump sure. right it's in. It's been crazy. It's been crazy. Let's jump right into it. I guess the biggest domino to fall was. Kawhi and PG going to the Clippers. Now, before we even get into the ramifications of that, I have a question that's like overarching about today's NBA. Oh, yeah. In your 
do you see the buddy-buddy system as being a good thing or a bad thing for the league as a whole? Yeah, man, this is a whole different culture now, right? Completely different. And, and let me, just to, just to kind of give some background, that's kind of shaped some of my opinions, right? So as a high school player, when we played AAU, right, because that's where it starts. When we played AAU, we, well, like my sophomore through senior year, we took the 12 best players in the whole state of Iowa. That was our AAU team. And okay. there was only one, one state tournament, basically, per state, right? And then you mm-hmm. had one national tournament. And we always were good enough to finish in the top five. Whereas now, you might have, good Lord, a hundred national tournaments all across the United States. There might be, you know, six teams from Des Moines, five from Waterloo. You have, you know, all Iowa attack, you know, you, uh, barnstormers, you have kingdom hoops. I mean, it is so spread out and such a huge business anymore, right? That mm-hmm. all these cats now, they all know each other before they even get to college. They've all yeah. played against each other in AU. They all have each other's cell phone numbers so they can communicate on a day-in and day-out basis. You know, I saw the thing about um, Adam Silver talking about trying to, how can we enforce the tampering piece? I mean, you can't, you can't in today's world of social media and everything else, these cats talk to each other. These cats, you know, are friends, you know, off the court. You know, you look at, like, our time, like, yeah, sure, we'll talk about Jordan, Right. I mean, I'm sure he was friends with some of those guys, but he wasn't, you know, like it's off season. So everybody's in LA or everybody goes to Miami and you see 10 people on six different teams that are hanging out and kicking it on vacation together. Right. It's a whole different atmosphere. And I'm still in that, that in between stage of, I don't, is it good? Is it, is it bad? But I love the sport so much. Um, like when I compare it to the NFL, and I, I know you you understand this, the NFL it's easier to have a team because those guys don't change teams that often. Like right. your star players, like you NFL, if you have a star player, he's usually there for a good, you know, eight, nine, ten years before he eventually goes somewhere else. Whereas the NBA, man, these cats change teams, you know, every other year. You know, Durant's on his third team in like five years. You know, I mean, it's it's crazy to me. Um, so, so see, and, and so, so this is where I, I'll step in and say, because you say you're kind of on a fence with it. See, for me, I'm I'm really on a get off my lawn type thing. I'm I'm that old <laughs> you know. Look, Mike didn't team with Bird, and Magic didn't play with Isaiah because they wanted to beat each other. Uh, you know, I I want to win, but I want to go through you to do it. If for no other reason, I could talk shit to you over the summer because I just beat you to get here. And that, in my mind, is what makes me itch in places about today where it is buddy-buddy. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's good or bad for the league. I'm just saying for me as an old curmudgeon, it it, it drives me bad because I'm like, look, no, I want to beat you, and then we could be friends later. Yeah, there's a huge part of me, Mike, it's the same way, too. You know, for me, I'm, you know, everything's about, uh, you know, the three ball and the dunks. You know, the, the mid-range game, obviously, is done. 
at least for now. Um, and and it, it's it's hard because, I, man, these cats, you know, the competitive spirit, you know, the rivalries of the old days, you know, Lakers, Celtics, Boston, um, you know, Jordan's time, I mean, Rockets, you know, Orlando, I mean, it, it's it is just a different time. You know, these guys – um, are all are, are about big money, right? They're about building wealth, you know, and they know that if they can team up with one of their buddies, win more titles, have more, uh, you know, be in the spotlight more, um, it's going to allow them to continue to build wealth. You know, LeBron wants to be a, you know, a billion dollar, um, you know, and wants to, wants to be like the first one to have a billion dollars, right? Uh, uh, yeah. It's just, it, it sets the tone for the culture and I'm I'm still torn, right? I'm I'm old school too, to a certain extent. You know, I, I you know, like Steph Curry, you know, who's an incredible player. But man, you, the the sh- the shimmying and all that shit when you knock down threes left and right, and just some of the some of that part of it, I wish guys would just come out and go to work and call it good. Like Kawhi, love Kawhi. A dude goes out, puts it in, calls it good. But again, you know, he's leaving Toronto, a team he just won a title at. Right to come all the way back home. I, mean, I know there's reasons and, and whatnot, um, but man, today's NBA is it ain't the '90s, bro. Not even close. It's it's sometimes let's, it's let's, crazy to me. Let's start there. Let's start with Kawhi and PG. Uh, going to the Clippers, which you know, I there was there had been inklings that Kawhi was going to LA to the Clippers. You know, he talked about the Lakers, and I got a couple of things about Kawhi and the PG thing. But here's my deal. This is a curmudgeon in me coming out again. I understand <laughs> Paul George wanting to leave Oklahoma City. Russell Westbrook will never be a championship point guard, in my estimation. So right. I get that he signed this long-term deal last year. He wants out. But the other half of me says, but you just signed this long-term deal last year. You should honor it. Again, that's me being that curmudgeon. Right. What seismic shift did that move make in the NBA? And we'll get to the other moves individually, but the Kawhi and PG going to L.A., and, and, and the Clippers not giving up much to do it now. They gave up a bunch of picks. Right. They gave you know, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who's a good player, but they kept most of that team intact. What signs? You know, for honestly, man, I look at that, and I think the signs were in the water, like from the previous two years, right? LeBron comes to L.A. There's rumblings that Paul George would ultimately like to play in L.A. too. I don't think Mm -hmm. PG wanted to play with LeBron for whatever reason, Um, so he signs with Oklahoma City, and then. Kawhi, I mean, he's from L.A. Once, obviously, I mean, I mean, it's, it's crazy to me because all the pundits had, well, what I'm hearing is Toronto first, Lakers second, Clippers third, which was completely wrong. <laughs> so I'm like, these insiders don't even know what the hell is going on. But to me, the signs were clear. He wanted to go back to L.A. Um, I thought he tried to make it work with, with the Lakers. It didn't. Clippers were the next option. And then PG saw an opening, and Kawhi, according to the reports, right, called him, right, mm-hmm. um, and then they they connected, and and 
you know how it is. It, it, it's a it's a player's game in the league. You, you go to your, your your the ownership. You're like, dude, I'm not gonna play anymore. You might as well trade me because I want to go to L.A. I want to do this. And guess what? They let you do it. So, unfair question alert. Does that mean yeah. <laughs> why he going to the Clippers make them an instant title contender? I think it does, but not just because of those two pieces. You know, yeah. Uh, they got Doc Rivers as a coach is fantastic. You already have two additional defensive studs and Patrick Beverly and Montrez Harrell. Additionally, you know, Sweet Lou coming off the bench, you know, dropping thirty on random nights. So they have the parts were already in place when you put those two in and what what they lost and what the Clippers lost. Yeah, that 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 team is is going to be solid. It's going to be real solid. So let me go across the hall to the Lakers. Yeah. <laughs> now LeBron essentially blew up last season with the Anthony Davis talk. Yeah. Uh I don't know if he understands the nature of a young player, a young dude trying to find his way, but when you basically say all you cats are up for grabs because I want this dude, you can't help but to fracture uh, a young dude's uh, psyche. Hell, you LeBron James. Your, your word carries weight. So he basically firebombed the season trying to get Anthony Davis, didn't get him. Okay, so now yep. AD is there. AD is there with LeBron James. And they're actually fleshing this roster out with some decent cats. Yeah, yeah. But my, I, I ain't gonna lie. I really like the moves LA's made a lot. Yeah. A I lot. Think, oh, but you know, Palenka in the front office, he's an idiot, and I just thought he was going. Oh, I just thought, idiot. I just really <laughs> did. But okay, so you got LeBron, you got AD, you got a bunch of serviceable cats around him. In the void at the top of the West is the Staples Center the epicenter of the West in 2019, 2020. Oh, yes. Oh, I mean, between the Clippers and the Lakers, man, they're going to be some, I mean, that rivalry is going to be fire next year. Ooh, it's going to be good. It's going to be and good. With the Warriors basically dead in the water next year, Clay is out pretty <laughs> much the whole, they just cut uh, Livingston. You know, they're in upheaval yep. right now. Um, Big time. There are some cats out there that I think, some teams out there that I think are going to surprise some folk. I really like Utah. I don't know why I like yeah, Utah. Yeah, Utah made, <laughs> Utah's made it, some nice moves, though, man. With Conley, you know, and, some of, and a, a couple of their recent trades, um, they're, they're going to be solid. They're going to be, they're going to be rock solid. Yeah. So, but, but, is that, but is that roster good enough to get to surpass the Lakers or the Clippers or, you know, Houston, who pretty much stood pat. But they're probably going to uh, – it wouldn't surprise me if they end up doing something too with some of the turmoil going on there as well. Um, Denver, yeah. obviously, is another good one. So, man, I, I'm so I'm so gassed for the NBA next year. Woo, it's going to be good. But here's the deal. Here's the killing part about it all. Um, is Utah good enough to overtake L.A.? I don't know. Uh, Miami Heat are the mid, you know, to whenever LeBron went there. It takes a while to develop 
So, you know, I don't know. But I'll tell you, the West is going to be another murderous row. It's going to just be different murderers. You know? Yeah, for sure. Last, you know, it, it was, you know, Golden State, and it was Denver, and it was Houston until they imploded. And there's going to be different murderers, the same murderers row. Yeah. So the question I'm going really, to ask. Well, you really, yeah, go ahead. No, the question I'm going to ask, uh, unfairly again, does the, champion, does the champion come out of the West, or has the East kind of stepped this game up some? Because we, we forget there's an Eastern Conference sometimes. Yeah, for sure. So you look, you look at the East, right? It's been some pieces swapped out. You know, Brooklyn Brooklyn will be good, but they're, they're not going to be good until next year, right? Because Durant's out the whole year. You know, and, and Kyrie, as talented as he is, he just he, he hasn't learned how to lead a team yet, unfortunately. He he's definitely better than the number two at this stage. And put a pin in. And then you look exactly. at Yeah. For sure. And then look at Milwaukee, right? Milwaukee's another one, way overpaid for Chris Middleton. But you also lost arguably your best three and D guy besides Middleton. I like Brogdon a little bit better because he's a little more athletic. But you lost him. There he goes. Okay. Um, so I think Milwaukee is probably going to struggle and take a step back. Toronto will be lucky to even make the playoffs. The team to watch out for next year in the East is Indiana. I, you, see, Indiana, Indiana is going to surprise some moves. people. They have made some under-the-radar moves, uh, moves time. that are good for them think, but didn't make a seismic shift in the NBA as a whole, but they did what was good for them. And Nate McMillan for is sure. still a step. And, and they spent half the season without Oladipo last year, right? Um, yeah. So, I mean, that, that, that team's going to be solid. I, you're a Bulls fan. I'm a Bulls fan, too. I mean, my son likes because he follows a lot of different players. So, we're kind of Bulls, Bucks, Lakers. Um, you know, he loves yeah. Zion, you know. So, we got a lot going on here in the household. But my, my original hmm. favorite team is the Sixers, right? I'm okay. just not a fan of their of, – of, uh, some of the guys on our team, but I think, I think the Sixers could do some damage too. But you know, I worry about Embiid's health. I worry about you know Simmons having a jump shot. They'll be they'll be average six eight in height. But, you know, they're starting five, but and they'll be tough defensively. But I think they're going to miss Jimmy Butler. And I think they're going to miss JJ Redick. So I was going to ask you about the Redick move because Redick is more important to that team. Than people realize yes. he provides space, yes. and yes. they didn't hold for him. Uh, the Jimmy Butler thing—I ain't worried too much about him. He, I think Jimmy is overrated, and this is from a guy who saw him come into the league and build his brand. I think Jimmy is overrated. Uh, I don't think he can—I don't think he can lead a team to a championship. He might be a good second. Yeah, but he, if he, 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 but he wouldn't—he wasn't really the leader on that team, though. You know what I mean? No, I mean really, it, it, it was a bead. And now my question is for my sisters, who takes the last shot? It ain't going to be Simmons. He, it's going to be Embiid, and he's not, you know, he's more, I mean, the standstill wide open three or a post move. I mean, th- there's some question marks there that, you know, they, did, did they really improve? Or are they going to end up taking a step back? Well, in all fairness, that's the same question you can ask of Giannis in Milwaukee because he hasn't I developed think took a step back. Yeah. shot yet. You know, so I, yeah. I, I don't know. I, the East is not as bad as it's been in previous years. 
I don't think it's going to be nope. that good uh, until Brooklyn gets nope. their stuff together. For sure, and I mean, and, and we'll see. We don't, you know, how how good is? I mean, you you look at Boogie Cousins, Achilles injury, right? You know, now one thing Durant can do, he can shoot threes. So worst case, he'll still be a shooter. But will he be the slasher and off the dribble as much as he was before? Because those Achilles injuries are, you know, a motherfucker, brother. You know, it's yeah. it's those you don't know what you get when you return. So there's going to be a lot of question marks there. And on top of that, he's playing with Kyrie. So, you know, I, I don't know. That 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 pairing, that, that's not a sexy pairing to me, but that's just my opinion. You know, I, I was shocked when that move was made. Um, but I'll, I'll tell you this. The Knicks are the biggest clown show in the NBA. Uh, <laughs> and then some. <laughs> I understand their, on one hand, their reluctance to sign KD to a, you know, max deal. Yeah. But you blew up your entire season to do just that. That's why Porzingis is in Dallas because they want to open up two max slots. Yeah. And then when the time to pump fake. So then they, they hastily fill out their roster with the Todd Gibsons and the Bobby Portises of the world, which they're not bad players. <laughs> you know, they're not bad players. Uh, who, who's the big – Julius Randle was the big signing they had. But you yep. blew your team up for Kevin Durant. How do you not make that sign? Yeah, I tell you what, I know I know Knicks fans are just on suicide watch right now, man. It's It's been – I mean, it's just the mystique. It's got to be the ownership, right? Because, you know, we're talking New York Knicks. We're talking the Garden. I mean, I played in the Garden. That place is it's crazy, right? Um, just the history and just, man, the ambiance, everything that's associated with it. And it's like, man, no, but nobody wants to go there right now. They, you know, they don't. And, and they're not making the right pitches as an ownership group to get folks to go there. You know, it's been a you know fire sale here for like for a minute. Um, which is unfortunate, I, but I don't understand how you blow up a season, and then when the time for one specific thing—that's the killing part about it. They didn't just tank to be tanking to get a to get R.J. Barrett. They tanked <laughs> for a specific reason. We want Kevin Durant. When he becomes available, you don't sign him. I get it, Achilles. I get it, but you know what? Talents like this come across your doorstep once a generation. Maybe you gotta bite that bullet and take that chance because you got an instant. Oh, absolutely! You got an instant excuse if it doesn't work. You know, we we yep. tried it. We him. his Achilles would cooperate. Boom! You just bought yourself some capital. So, well, I, I, it, it's it, go ahead. It's crazy, man. But I it, it's I think this is, and I think part of it's my son too. That is. As he's started to get into it, and he's always watching all these old NBA All Star videos, and you know from the '90s, and just you know starts collecting basketball cards. And this last probably two years, man, we, he's kind of really pulled me back into it, uh, even more so than I was before. You know, obviously yeah. being friends with Hoiberg, we went to a Chicago Bulls game to watch your squad play. Um, you know, yeah. two years ago, uh, took the whole fan, which is cool. Got to go in the locker room and all that. So you know, he's definitely a Bulls fan. Um, he knows all about Michael. 
all about Michael. They watch the videos, you know, <laughs> you know, Space Jam and all that. Um, just got his first Jordan jersey. So the, the NBA is heavy in the household right now, big time, uh, and it's probably going to continue that way. Uh, I just can't wait to see what the next big uh, Russell Westbrook's getting traded somewhere. I don't know where, but it's going to happen. <laughs> he's he's probably going to Miami, and he sometime yep. during the season he's going to commit murder somewhere because he's going to be so frustrated. <laughs> <laughs> I can easily see him bathing in the blood butler in the locker room after the game. Uh, yeah. Russell always strikes me as being a bit off anyway, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When you watch the outfits he wears before the games, bro, I mean, damn, it's like, dude, come on. Now, I know you didn't look in the mirror and said, man, my shit is right. I'm ready to come to the game. No, come on, man. Uh, Nobody wears some of that stuff. <laughs> So before we talk about, you know, tell me about your bulls, man. What about your bulls? I want to get your input. Say, before we end how, how you feeling about the bulls right now? I, look, maybe I'm a homer, and I know I am, but <laughs> I think the bulls have some decent young pieces. Uh, if they could stay healthy, they'd be all right. Um, right. Never been a team fan. Never been a Zach fan. Um, I think he's overpaid. But whatever. For sure. Uh, but I like Sadoransky from Washington, even though, I, even though I didn't know who the hell he was until last week. I did watch the <laughs> I love video. Kobe White. Love Kobe He's, White. Love Kobe. Come on now. What? Gotta love Kobe. Um, Six five I point guard. Him. He's gonna be nice for you this year. I love marketing. I think he. I think he's a Dirk Nowitzki with a mean streak. Uh, he's yeah, for get, sure. He's got a mean streak. He got some nasty in him. I've seen that. Oh yeah, like, definitely. I like Wendell Carter Jr. I think they got some young pieces yep. that you know. I, people who are smarter than me love the Thaddeus Young signing. I'm not sure about it, but whatever. Uh, so I think they got some pieces. I'm not sold on Boylan yet. Uh, yeah, me either. To, you talk about Hoiberg. I know that's your guy. I think yep. Garpack Pack, no favors. Um, nope. He didn't have a chance. First, he didn't have a chance to be successful. Yeah. That first year they gave him a team that was tired of playing with each other, Jimmy, Derek, and Joe Kim. Uh, second year, Jimmy won that tug of war because Derek got traded to New York, so he thought he was the man. Yep. So he was challenging folk. Third, you was a complete teardown. Then you signed Dwayne Wade and Rajon Rondo. Like, okay, you signed the two head cases. And the fourth year, they finally say, well, fuck it, none of this is working. Let's just strip it down to the studs and fire it. <laughs> they, they did a no yeah. favor. Yeah, uh, you're right. I'll be fair. I'll be, you know, completely. I, I, I didn't know. I, I don't know if Hoiberg's way works in the NBA. I, I don't know. But again, that's for people smarter than me. But the team he got, he didn't have a chance. Yeah, for sure. He so, did not. Again, I, I 100% agree. I'm not sold on Boylan. We'll see what he's all about. I mean, I kind of like him. He's got that rough old school edge, that Popovich edge, because that's, that's the tree he came from. Uh, I yep. think he's got the edge, but he doesn't have Pops, you know, gravitas. He doesn't have Pops resume yet. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Not many, not many do. Right, so I like them. I mean, I could very easily see thirty wins, thirty-five wins on a good day. 
Uh, yeah, I think they'll be competitive. They'll be competitive most nights. Uh, so we'll see. Again, I, I'll, I'll watch them as much as I can stomach them. When they get on my nerves around November, December, I'll stop watching them every year. <laughs> right on. Uh, so before we go, I, I, I'm going to put you on yeah, the spot. Yeah. One. Hell yes. Who is your NBA Finals participants? Oh, next year, Finals participants. Man. Um, yeah. You know what? From the East, from the East, I'm going to have to go with my Sixers next year. I think yeah. I think we get it. Toronto's down. Um, ooh, Milwaukee's going to be a tough out, but, but I think next year, I think it's going to be – I think it'll be Milwaukee and the Sixers in the, fi- in the finals on the Eastern side, and I think, I think the Sixers get to the finals next year. I really do. What's that? Don't sleep, don't sleep on that Al Horford signing, too. They're going to be a beast. That's a, that's, a, that's a huge signing because not only I think they've improved defensively, but he's going to have to take take over some of that redic, that spacing, some of that shooting for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, I, yeah. I, I do like it. I just I, I think they'll miss Butler's toughness a little bit, and I, I still think they'll miss Redick. Um, you know, we'll see how we'll see how their depth uh, ends up. But uh, you know, that's my squad, so I'm. I think next year's their time to get to the finals. You move to the western side, like you said, woo, that's going to be murderer's row. It, it is. It's when you look at the teams that are going to be at the top. You know, say the top six. You know, you know it's going to be L.A. It's going to be the Clippers. It's going to be Denver, Utah, um, Houston. Um, you know, and then after that, what maybe Portland probably as well. But I think they take yeah. a step back yeah. this year a little bit. You know, they made moves, too. You know, you, you swapped out, um, what, was it Collins for, no, not Collins, but it picked up the big shot-blocking machine from Miami, right? Uh, uh, Whiteside. Okay. So, I mean, that, you know, he's a double-double machine. So, I mean, he, he could work pretty well. Um, honestly, I think he could work pretty well in their system. But when you look at the Clippers roster and I look at their head coach, Doc Rivers, uh, and then you look at the Lakers, who won't be good early, but barring health for both teams, right, because Kawhi has had some health issues. Obviously, LeBron, Anthony Davidson had health issues. This will be a full season of rehab and strengthening for Boogie Cousins. But I look at that Laker roster and the signings they've made because, you know, even when, even from the coaching perspective, like even in high school, you know, you got guys that play roles. You got your yeah. two studs. You got – two three and D guys that are both solid and Avery Bradley and Danny Green. Um, you look at Boogie who's gonna come back strong, you'll have a low post presence if needed. Uh, you look at they signed the kid that they played off the bench for Golden State, that Quinn Cook that kid's solid too. Yeah. Um, and then you have Ingram Ingram that can rain um, Kuzma to rain down threes. Uh, you know, and they're and they're probably not done because quite honestly if Iguodala gets released, they might scoop him too. At the minimum, yeah. uh, I think they have some. I know, I know they brought Rondo back, but they have some really nice role-playing pieces to go around LeBron and AD. And barring health, I think that that might be a seven-game series. Um, you know, and I honestly, I I hate. I don't want to jump on the bandwagon, but when you look at the talent of those teams compared to, you know, 
again, it's not about the regular season. It's about making it to the playoffs. That's what it's about. Right. It's about where you at in the play when you get to the playoffs. Are you healthy? Because if, if if those two teams are healthy, I mean, it's going to be tough. I mean, I, I would probably pick the Lakers because I am a LeBron fan. Um, you know, I'm not a kind of a bandwagon jumper. He's just one of those cats that, you know, he's had some mix-ups, but he's never been in the news. Some of his philanthropic work, um, his family side. I mean, that that makes me that makes me a big fan of that dude, big time. I mean, big time. And I just I think this barn injury again, man. I, I like I like the Lakers. I really do. Okay, so we got Philly and the Lakers. I'm not going to ask you to make Ooh. a. <laughs> Woo, Philly and the Lakers, like old days, back when we uh, swept the Lakers in like '83 with my Dr. J squad. Oh yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yes, yes. I'm not going to put you on the spot there yet. I'll, we'll do this at the end of the summer. <laughs> Rosters are oh, completely, yeah. and we'll revisit this and talk Absolutely. about. Absolutely, and then we and then we'll have to do it again during the season too. <laughs> We, we got a few more time to talk about this, but uh, oh, yeah. uh, I really enjoyed talking to you, man. I mean, to get into your history, you know, how we got to this point and to tap your brain on this NBA thing to which I'm not, a, not, I'm not plugged in enough. So uh, you are my resident NBA insider, so I'm going to start uh, bugging the hell out you. Uh, every so often, because I want you back on, I want you back on the show, talk about some things, and, and you know, I, I want to pick your brain about other subjects too. So, uh, if you come Absolutely. back, I appreciate it. Yeah, I love it, man. This has been great. Gave me a chance to get caught up with you too. So, hopefully, I got you a little more excited, you know, about the, about the NBA a little bit. Maybe watch some extra games this year. You know, give you some hope where your Bulls are concerned. <laughs> so, I don't know about yeah, this has been great, man. I, <laughs> I just appreciate you letting me come on, man. This is this has been fantastic. Much Definitely. Love. So again, uh, Morgan is going to be back at, at another capacity. You know, as my NBA insider, you know, I might pick his brain about other things. You know, this, this, this cat is knowledgeable. This cat got it up there. So uh, once again, I thank him for giving me an hour of his time as a family man. I know he ain't got many of them, so I thank him for that. And in the meantime. Like I say all the time, I want you to take care of yourself because you are all you got. And, again, Morgan, appreciate it. Anytime yes, sir. you want to act, feel free. All right. That sounds good, man. I appreciate it, Mike. Thank you. Take it easy, man. All right. Later. Later. Check out the 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 Check out the